All right, all right. You're listening to the Sober Awakenings Podcast, a show designed to aid you in the journey of recovery and encourage you to embrace living in states of enlightenment and presence. The Sukina Method of Recovery is a 12-step program from an Islamic point of view. Whether you are struggling in the midst of pain or on the path of recovery, these sober awakening conversations and interviews are here to be a reminder and record of the power of permanent transformation. This second episode has been a long time in the works. I actually sat down with our guest back in June of last year. It was a stark turning point in the year. You know, many communities were just coming out of months of pandemic lockdowns, and then there was the death of George Floyd. I live in Portland, Oregon, and in the months following there were riots and clashes between protesters, police, and federal officials nearly every week. It was the headline on international news, and I felt at the time, and for a while after, that there was a need for voices like mine to take a step back and not only provide space for others to speak up, but take time to listen and reflect. It is now 2021, and we are wrapping up Black History Month. Last week, I had the honor to get to do some special programming with KBU, our local radio station, which involved producing an episode in memory of the 56th anniversary of the death of Malcolm X. Malcolm was not one who was afraid to stand up to oppression and called out systemic abuses. This courage is the great power of recovery. It is a high state and one that many of us strive for, but are not at yet. I say this as I want to preface this episode's interview by acknowledging that this discussion today is about abuse. And that is not an easy subject for everyone to listen to. Take this episode in stride. Pause it where you need to. Reach out if you need help. And most importantly, listen, reflect, and permit your heart to heal. Here is Sober Awakenings, Episode 2. Welcome, Tisam. This is our second episode, I believe, of the Sober Awakenings podcast. Um, I started this podcast is an extension of my recovery coaching program. Uh, you also do coaching and we actually met through coaching, um, yes. which was awesome. If you don't mind, I'm going to tell a little bit of that story. I, uh, we were both in Mamoun Yusuf's coaching programs. Um, my first one was one of his January productivity uh, weekend sessions. And I was live streaming in from West Coast here in America. 
Uh, you were actually, I think, running part of the live stream for that session, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and yeah, it was great. I'd been uh, a fan of Mamoon uh, through his podcast, through uh, reading his book as well, Inside the Soul of Islam, and just was really able to get connected and had a blast at that program. And we've had a great time in coaching sessions with him for well over a year now. And it is a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome and- well, Thank you for having me here with you today. It's yeah. A pleasure and an honor. Alhamdulillah. Um, can, we, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into I guess the coaching world, it's a bit of a story and I know you've shared it in some of the moon sessions before, but um, yeah, let's just start from the beginning because most of our listeners here probably aren't familiar. Yeah. Okay. Um, no worries at all. Uh, it's kind of similar to you in that you had heard of Mamoon before, you know, on your own journey, you know, like reading his emails, listening to his well his audios at the time um his podcast but yeah for me at the time as I was reading all of his stuff and slowly you know becoming a fan of this guy that would write these really lovely spiritual emails and the kind of stuff that really spoke to me um but it was at a time in my life that was really difficult and challenging I was in an abusive marriage which I ended up um fleeing from uh, with a three-year-old and I was five months pregnant at the time. Um, I had to move into a women's refuge for a good five months or so until they housed me literally days before my second son was born. Um, and then where they housed me, you know, although I was like super grateful to be housed and have a fresh start for myself, I happened to be living right next to a group of drug dealers. So for a good year or more, I had another challenge on top of everything else that I was going through. You know, I had a, a newborn that didn't sleep. I was adjusting to life by myself with two children to look after. And although I was happy to no longer be in an abusive marriage, it took a lot of getting used to this new life I had. And then the added problem of having the neighbors from hell, you know, keeping me up all night, just all kinds of crazy goings on next door. By the time that I officially filed for divorce, which was a good 18 months after I left the refuge or after I, you know, after I physically left him that day, it took a good 18 months for me to find the confidence and the, the courage, I guess, to really get to a point where I felt like, yeah, I'm definitely going to file for divorce because I was you know, so caught up with so many fears about what would happen if I took that final step and, you know, finish things for good. Um, so once I did, life was still super challenging, but thankfully I had a, a realization that, you know, if I was going to go it alone and I was going to do this single mother thing by myself and raise my kids as best I could, I really couldn't stay in the emotional state that I was in because I was so resentful. I was, you know, beating myself up for choosing the wrong guy to marry and that it was my fault that things had turned out this way. 
I was resentful of people that had happy marriages and had two parent families. Um, you know, when my kids would play up, which they do, you know, I had a, a newborn uh, who was, you know, then a year old plus, you know, a th four year old. And if they played up, I would take my anger out on them. Like, why are you making mommy's life more difficult? I've already got all of this stuff going on. And I knew that it was, you know, it wasn't fair on them. So, and you know, it wasn't fair on me either, but my, the main worry was that I needed to sort my head out so that I could be, you know, so that I could move forward and be a good single mom and a positive role model for them. And that's when I got in touch with Mamoon. Um, I bought a couple of programs of his uh, to help me figure out how to move forward. And they helped me get to that point where I felt confident enough to tell my you know, ex-husband that that's it. We're not going to get back together. There is no chance of us rekindling things and I want a divorce. Um, so the programs I studied of his and I had a conversation with him on the phone really helped, you know, push me to make that decision. Um, and then I made an event of his, a live event of his against all logistical odds with two kids in tow. I was able to make that event. Um, and then I signed up to a year's coaching program with him and never looked back since. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, our stories in a way are slightly similar, even though we're on different sides of the pond, as they say. Um, you know, I went previously through a divorce myself. Alhamdulillah, I didn't have to worry about the kids issue. But, you know, I think I'm going to definitely be asking you um, some questions here as maybe looking for coaching advice myself during the course of this. <laughs> Um, just because I mean, obviously, I'm, I actually I, I recently got married myself, um, yeah. and having kids has always been a dream of mine. So, uh, I, you know, I know parenting, regardless of whatever the situation is, whether it's a single parent, whether uh, it's uh, in a uh, healthy relationship, or with all of the things that we have in the world right now in terms of like coronavirus pandemic, um, 2020 has been kind of a crazy year. So uh, we don't know what life's gonna throw at us. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll get to some of that stuff I think here later. I, when you were going through all of your struggles, what was it that actually drove you to pursue help? And what, what caught your interest with Mamoon particularly? I think finally seeing things clearly in my marriage, seeing things for how they were, being able to, you know, see that, okay, the relationship's dead, you know, it's going to, you know, that's it. I'm going to file for divorce. It, you know, inevitably you've now got a new start in life and I really didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't like how I was being. And now that I was out of that limbo phase that seemed to last forever, where I didn't know if I should stay or go, or, you know, how do I make this decision? Once I made that decision, it was almost like, well, now what? Are you just going to stay in this state forever? Like you're out of limbo now. And I kind of justified to myself that why I would have felt you know, like I was on an emotional roller coaster then, but now you're making a really big decision. You're deciding to go it alone and to be a single parent and 
these kids don't deserve to have shouty, miserable mum. Like, I think that was the main driver. The children, I just thought it's not fair on them because, you know, they're beautiful, innocent kids and they're getting the worst of me and I'm taking out my frustrations on them. So I just remember thinking, I need to sort my head out. If this is what I'm going to do, I kind of need to take a bit of responsibility and try and sort myself out. And I think, you know, at times when we're struggling, you always remember a time in the past where you were at peace and you were happy and you were content. And I always remember, you know, when I was younger, like always being quite a spiritual person, always feeling that connection with Allah. And I felt that that had gone, you know, and I really wanted that part of me back. And I think that's what naturally led me to Mamoon, because obviously over the years, he'd been in the background in my inbox and I was reading his stuff and I, you know, I felt connected to what he wrote about. So it was natural that when I needed help, you know, he's a life coach. I turned to him first. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't without its logistical issues and, you know, financial issues with signing up to a coaching program like that. Because obviously coaching is, you know, it's a luxury service, I guess. Uh, and for someone in my position, it was quite hard to you know, justify spending so much money on myself. But at the end of the day, I just, I followed Allah's guidance, you know, in moments like that, where you're just not sure what to do and what's best, you've just got to, you know, subhanAllah, you get signs, you know, Allah, you, you decide, I'm just going to go one way. And then Allah gently guides you another way. And it's just kind of watching out for that guidance and going down that path and trusting in Allah. And Alhamdulillah, it all worked out. Alhamdulillah. You know, it's beautiful what you're saying about guidance, because I remember uh, back when I was in kind of that searching phase, kind of recognizing that, yeah, I need to do something, but not knowing exactly what to do. This is probably, no, oh, it was definitely a time when Mamoon was kind of still in the, in the windows uh, of things. Um, so I remember making dua, getting connected to other people and then uh, also finally getting redirected back towards the moon who'd always been kind of waiting there. Um, that's, that's, that's a really beautiful thing that kind of opens us up to realizations of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also the noticing it in the initial decision too, in that your kind of impetus was in the fact that you recognized you could do more for your kids and you needed to do more in terms of like responsibility and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I remember having similar thoughts in terms of that and then also particularly connecting back with uh, aspects of how, you know, when I was a kid, things were a lot easier. Uh, it's that fitra that you know that that innocence that we're all born with that um scholars of our religion talk about and i know one of the first episodes of maloon's quran for uh busy people podcast that i listened to was talking about that exact same thing and i wasn't even muslim at the time when i heard it and i knew it was saying something that was true that was that was really powerful um yeah. 
Tell me about uh, your... Uh, one of his YouTube videos, which I think I watched before I spent any money on his programs. And it was that same thing. Like the first video, I was like, this guy's onto something. I know he's speaking truth. I've got no idea. Like, I don't understand what he's saying because he was talking about the inside out paradigm of psychology, which I'd never heard of before. But I just knew, I was like, this guy's onto something. I don't get it, but I know he's speaking truth. And then that's it. You can't, you can't leave that alone then. You just want to dig a little deeper. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of the power of truth. When yeah. you hear it, you know, and it resonates with your, your core, with your soul. Yeah, 100%. Tell me a little bit about your first um, experience there in the um, the live session that you attended with Mamoon, because I know that was really transformative for you, right? Yeah, it was, and um, I'm surprised I I made it really because it was a three day event, a live event in London. I don't live in London; I live a good two hours drive from London. And like I mentioned, I had two very small children, um, and obviously you can't take children to an event like that it's all about your own kind of personal reflection and transformation um so you want to be you know by yourself if possible um but thankfully a very amazing friend of mine um who i'll be forever grateful to uh knew what i was going through um in that same time period i lost my dad Allah um and yeah, she was just looking out for me and she said, you know, listen, if you think this event is going to help you come to London, bring your children, stay with me and I'll look after them every day whilst you're at the event. Um, and she really pushed me to take her up on her offer. Um, were it not for her, I don't know if I'd have been able to make that event. She made it very easy for me to attend. So, yeah, thankfully I made the event um, and it was great. And Mamoon um he does these events but he also has year-long coaching programs which you're aware of and the year-long coaching programs is where all of the real magic happens should i say it's where all of the really you know powerful transformation happens because you know we all turn to coaching or self-development or personal development because we've got one specific issue that we want to get figured out um, and you can go to a live event like that and get some insights into that little area. Um, and, you know, life can be, you know, improved and life will be better. But what happens in the year long coaching program that you don't realize at the outset is that you, you get that area of your life solved and it improves dramatically. But what you don't expect is that all these other areas of your life, which you where you didn't even realize you had issues or beliefs that were holding you back in life or ways of, you know, your perspective on life, it, all of that changes. And that's just like, oh, wow. You know, so you go in to solve one little problem and then you go along through the year. And by the end of the year, you're just like, whoa, I'm so, so different to how I used to be in so many amazing ways. Like when you reflect on, how much things have changed over that past year of coaching it honestly you know it just brings brings you to tears and you've probably seen it on events and recordings where i just can't you know contain the emotion because it's such a dramatic change when so much in your life changes like i said especially the areas where you didn't even think you had an issue and then suddenly 
through coaching, you get these insights about yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was holding myself back so much or that I believed this about myself or that I believed this about other people. And so, you know, not only do you grow as a person and start loving yourself more, your relationships with other people improve too. So yeah, truly transformational in every sense of the word. That, that's the beauty of insight and transformation itself is that, you know, when, when we even get the smallest seed of it, it will just catapult us into a whole new world of insights and discovery. Um, you know, we talk about how not only is transformation something that we gain through insight, but it's also something that is permanent with us. It's not something that we lose. And this is a beauty of the, the inside out, the new perspective that uh, one attains. Could you, sh I know our listeners, some of them are familiar with the coaching method. Uh, some of them may not be familiar with it. If you want to just explain that a bit real quick, um, I think, you know, I've explained it in the past, uh, others have as well. It's always good to hear a new voice explain it because it's, it's just like what we were saying about truth. When, when you hear truth, it resonates with you and everyone's going to say it in a different way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, with the inside out paradigm of psychology, there's no end to how much you can understand it or see it show up in your life. But the fundamental thing with the inside out paradigm of psychology is that it highlights to us that the way we've been living all of these years uh, is, you know, we've basically been living in an illusion. You know, we, we're a hundred percent aware of our thinking, but we're believing that life works in a way that it doesn't. And that innocent belief that we've been living by is what's responsible for so much of the difficulty we experience in life the heavy burdens we carry around on our shoulders every day, um, the overthinking, the anxiety, the depression, and it's all from just a misunderstanding of how we really work. And the inside out paradigm of psychology, it's all about showing us how we already work, how we really work. You know, it's not a new self-development practice that we have to wrap our head around and start implementing and taking, you know, physical action towards every day it's it's how we already work you know it's the same as somebody somebody teaching you or explaining to you how your physical body works and you were maybe oblivious to it before and then suddenly it all starts to make sense you're like oh so that's what my heart does oh okay that's what my liver is responsible for and suddenly your physical body makes loads of sense to you and that's exactly what the inside out paradigm of psychology does when it comes to your psychology it shows you how you really work compared to how we've innocently been believing all this time and all our lives how we don't work which is that you experience something it causes your feelings someone does something to you they cause your feelings you face a difficult situation situations causing your feelings and that's not how it works at all the inside out paradigm shows us that we're only ever experiencing our own thought in the moment. It doesn't diminish the fact that these things are happening and in some situations that, you know, they're not right and we definitely need to 
put stuff in place to fix those or resolve those situations, but it's separating out how we feel about, it's separating out the feelings. And that's coming from thought in the moment. And it can only ever come from thought in the moment, not from everything that we face in life. I hope that explains it okay. It's brilliant, mashallah. And, you know, like I said, I, I love hearing, you know, everyone explain the, the paradigm from their own perspective. Um, and it, you, you never know what it is that's going to catch on to you. And, and this time, you know, what you were saying about how so often we're looking at the illusion uh, or perspective and thinking we have to do something. And here in the situation that we're talking about so much, we, we've got the issue of relational collapse, marital collapse, and we've got all the extenuating situations around it, the separation, the legal paperwork, maybe custody issues, um, all sorts of other stuff going on. I mean, um, there's potentials for abuses and uh, all sorts of injustice. This is something where we immediately think of, we have to do something. That's often just the, the first and only concept that comes to mind is I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do. And yet the, the inside out paradigm is actually revealing to us that that's not necessarily the case. So walk me through how you were able to address these issues for yourself and stay in mental health. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of, you know, living post-divorce with two children, I think what it really helped with was seeing situations separate to how I felt about them. It was firstly kind of the big thing for me was becoming aware that that running narrative in my mind, you know, all of the just, yeah, that running commentary that had just always been there my whole life, which I always took to be a part of me or even just me, you know, there was no separation there. It was like, that's that running commentary that's going on in my mind is me. And so I took everything that popped into my mind very seriously because that was me. Um, and then learning about the inside out paradigm, learning about what thought actually really was um, and understanding how I worked suddenly made me realize that, oh, okay, that running commentary of sometimes totally nonsensical thinking that I have in my mind isn't me. You know, it's, it's my thinking and I can ignore a lot of it. You know, it's, it doesn't actually have that power that I believed it had. So there was that awareness of myself, which meant that, you know, my own self-esteem and confidence 
got loads better because I was suddenly no longer paying attention to all of this made up thinking that I'd carried around for so long about myself that, you know, I, I never make good decisions. I'm really weak. I don't stand up to people. I, you know, chose the wrong husband. I, this, that, the other, I'm never going to achieve anything in life. Like all of that negative thinking that really kept me in victim mode, I guess. Um, and then I would spend a lot of time reflecting on the past and oh, I can't believe all of this stuff I had to go through. I can't believe my ex did this to me. Like I didn't deserve any of this. And then I would wallow in that. So becoming really aware of that and being able to break free from it and, you know, drop a lot of that really unhelpful thinking meant that going forward and living my life, I, I didn't have that heavy burden on my shoulders. And also when it came to dealing with my children because I was way more aware now of the role that my own thinking was playing in everything. Whenever they did something, I could see the issue separate to how I felt about it. So if they were misbehaving, it was no longer you're misbehaving and you're making me feel angry. Like I'm angry because you've done this, that no longer made sense. So it meant that I was dealing with issues a lot more, you know, calmly a lot more logically um it didn't mean that i just ignored everything because you know while i'm thinking i'm feeling my own thinking so it's fine if they misbehave or it's fine if they talk back or do something wrong or hurt each other no it meant that i was now able to deal with these issues and not just in parenting with everything without my feelings getting involved really you know we, we always hear people say oh put your feelings to the side and deal with the situation as logically as you can. And that can sometimes be really hard to do, but it's not hard to do when you have the inside out understanding because you really see a lot more clearly the role your own thinking is playing in everything and how unhelpful it can be at times too. So it sounds like you, the simplest way to describe it maybe is that you're able to now enter into decision-making from a position of strength. Yeah, I think that strength comes from seeing things more logically. You know, a lot of the times when we're resolving or trying to resolve issues, especially in relationships, what we're really resolving is how we feel. You did this and you hurt my feelings. You did this and you upset me. And we're trying to fix the feelings and we hold on to stuff unnecessarily, you know, we hold on to them for an unnecessarily long amount of time because we're waiting until we feel better to forgive someone. And so the argument can really focus on that. And that's, yeah, that's really, it's not the way it works and it's going to, it's not going to fix the issue. You might get temporary relief you might feel better you know temporarily but because your feelings are always coming from the way you're thinking all it takes is for your thinking to change and then you can feel whatever your thinking is in that moment so with this insight with this understanding seeing the role that your thinking is playing in everything knowing that it's only coming from thought in the moment and it's an inside job means that you're no longer trying to fix that when it comes to these situations and you know arguments with you know in your relationships that's not what you're focused on you're focused on the issue itself which is actually a lot easier to deal with when you're not trying to 
resolve your feelings too you know with the feelings out of the picture it's just okay let's focus on the issue and you really just you know laser focus on what actually needs to get done here alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. okay you you've got my mind running with questions about uh all of these issues surrounding uh divorce and being a, a single parent um and honestly just issues of you could say relational difficulty as well i want to ask them but i want to also kind of uh get there first in a way logically um i think it would be good to ask you these questions after developing uh who you are as a person now because you obviously have your own coaching program um how did that start what was the impetus for that i think like i feel that going through that year of coaching and even before the year was up having so many of my limiting beliefs about myself drop away about what i could and couldn't achieve um, about what i could and couldn't do meant that suddenly there were a lot more possibilities and opportunities in life that perhaps I hadn't considered before. So when the opportunity came up to, you know, train in this area, you know, and continue with Mamoon, uh, learning about the inside out paradigm, but training in his coaching academy at the same time, then it was, you know, a really exciting opportunity. Also, because I'd experienced firsthand, that it was completely possible to come out of an abusive marriage out of such a hard aftermath of that of you know finding my feet and getting used to life alone with two children with all of the challenges that came with that being able to come out of that and be totally fine and you know and happy and content you know i remember my mom and distant family members that maybe didn't see me every day, they would always ask about me, is she okay? Is she okay? Because the expectation was that I would not be okay after going through what I'd gone through. But I would always say to my mom, like, mom, tell them I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm fine. Like divorce doesn't mean misery and that it's going to take X amount of years before you will feel better again. Like during that year, everything changed and I was really happy. Um, so seeing that was another push because I thought, wow, imagine how many women are out there that are suffering and you know, they don't realize that they don't have to, that it doesn't have to be that way. So yeah, that was a big motivation for me as well to let people know, like, you know, you want to, you want to shout it out and let everyone know, oh, guys, there's, there's a new way. You don't have to suffer anymore. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, you want to help people and let them know that it doesn't have to be that way, that they can face any difficult challenge in life um, and, you know, get through it. Um, and it doesn't have to be difficult and it can be really you know, really powerful and really transformational. And that's something special that you just want to share. That's awesome. Um, logistically, so like, when did you start coaching? And how has it developed for you? Um, I started coaching in 2017. Um, and to start off with, I was very much focused on women who were 
you know, in the same kind of situation that I was in, stuck in an unhealthy marriage or an abusive marriage, not sure whether they should stay or leave. Um, so yeah, a lot of my coaching was helping women like that, you know, sometimes even just become aware that they were in an abusive marriage, because that's the thing. When you spend a long time in an abusive marriage, it's your normal. You don't even realize a lot of the time that you are in an abusive marriage because the nature of abuse is that you'll, you know, you'll experience a, uh, you'll experience abuse and then your husband will spend a few days after that incident being super apologetic, super sweet, super loving, super kind. You forgive him, you, you know, get over it. And then you have a period of time, which is totally fine. It's not abusive. It's okay. And then the abuser will feel that perhaps you're not sticking to his rules as well as he'd want you to. You're not doing things that he wants you to. He feels that maybe he doesn't have as much control as he'd like. And then the, you know, the cycle comes full swing and he'll, you know, there'll be another incident of abuse in order to draw you back under his control. So that becomes your normal. And because the incidents of abuse have spaced out quite a lot, um, you know, maybe there's like a couple of months sometimes between each incident, it's enough time, you know, it's, it's, it's strange, but it's enough time for you, your brain to just, you forget about it. Um, and then the next one happens, but they feel like isolated incidents. And it's not until you kind of step away and really look at what's going on that you're like, wow, I am in a really abusive marriage. Um, so yeah, a lot of my time was spent helping women to spot these signs and understand that they were in abusive marriages and what kind of things that they could do to, you know, help that because a lot of these women had super low self-esteem and they felt like it was their fault and that they were doing things wrong and they, they just needed to be more patient. Um, so yeah, started off doing that. And then as time has gone on, I've got more and more involved with uh, Mamoon's um, area of work. So I now work with him as well and coach some of his clients um, in more general life coaching. So it's been really great because it's I've been able to focus on an area that's very personal to me in terms of relationships and abuse, but then also branching out now to work more as a general life coach. So it's great to be able to do both. Mashallah. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. And may also Fanatal reward you and grant you ease and success in the coaching endeavors. Um, I, I have got to ask some questions because I, I had a list and now I think I just doubled it. Um, this is awesome. Alhamdulillah. So I was thinking back to when I was uh, going through some terrible relationships in the past and uh you know at the time and that this obviously has to do with largely living in states of illusory thinking all of what's going on in my head over and over again is just about what you're talking about of trying to control the feeling that you're experiencing in the moment uh, or in the relationship, associating it with the relationship, associating it with the other person. And when you add in the element of abuse into it as well, um, 
that is throwing it's it's a whole nother elephant in the ballpark uh it it's how do you how do you help wake up people to the fact that they may be in an abusive situation because often i because you said it's not something that they're even aware of and you know i would find that partly like a a frightening thing perhaps to come to that understanding yeah it's 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 quite sad in a way because they're you know by the time they reach out to someone like me they're in a really low place you know um not only are they experiencing this abuse but the abuser has spent so long telling them that it's their fault that they're getting treated this way and that if only they weren't this you know if only they weren't doing this or if only they were doing that then i wouldn't be this angry and it's very much become it's the abuser's really good at blaming you for so much so if you know if he gets super angry and lashes out at you um, over an argument because you decided to go out and meet a friend he'll try really hard to make it super clear that had you not gone and met that friend i wouldn't have done this you know and so at the beginning you may not accept that and you may think well no that's you know that's not fair and that's not right but then you get so used to them being that way that you just start accepting more and more because it just makes for an easier life to just you know what i'm not going to do that thing because i know he's going to get really angry and so slowly but ever so slowly your life changes you change you start accepting more and when you throw culture into the mix as well there's even there's a load more excuses there to justify what's going on you know uh arabs are hot-headed they've got you know they're they get angry quickly that's just what arabs are like i'll always remember this was after i left my ex my brother being at the mosque and the imam at the time uh said to him oh you know you should encourage your sister to get back with her husband um and then my brother was like well are you sure <laughs> because this is what he's like um and the imam said oh no don't worry about that you know us arab men we're all hot-headed and just you know dismissed it as though it's just normal behavior that we should just expect from these types of men from these kinds of cultures and i even even myself as someone that was born and raised in the uk i for a long time justified his behavior thinking oh he's just you know it's just his uh it's his cultural upbringing you know he's he's jealous because from where he you know where he's from in afghanistan this is what the women are like and they they follow the husband in all matters and you know i you justify a lot of it you know you don't say oh he's abusive you say oh he's really angry he's got an anger problem and the focus of, for a long time was on anger issues send him to anger management and let's stop him getting so angry so to switch from that to realizing someone is abusive yeah it does take to be honest it just takes a little bit of you know educating yourself stepping away from the situation a little bit when i was in the refuge i did a lot of reading they had resources there i also came across other books and it was really 
wonderful to read these books. Um, you know, wonderful in that all this stuff I thought I'd imagined or all this stuff I dismissed, I was able to see like, wow, this is actually, that was actual abuse. And I just had to put up with it. And I took that as, you know, being okay, but that was abuse too. And you suddenly realize that oh, none of that was my fault. You know, it was, you're, you're free from any kind of fault in that. But when you're stuck in the, the marriage, perhaps you don't see that. So, you know, when I speak to these women, I basically tell them to read certain books, you know, look at these different resources because they're full of information about the, the traits of an abuser, their behaviors, what they'll, how they'll treat you. Um, and it, when you're in an abusive marriage, you literally just got to read a page or two and you're like, yeah, yes, 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 yes. And it becomes super obvious. Wow. He's not just angry. I'm not just going crazy. This is not a healthy relationship. And yeah, all your, I guess all of the stuff that you knew deep down was wrong about the marriage and should be better is just gets made super clear when you read it in black and white. Mm. That kind of hits at the cognitive dissonance in the situation because knowing deep down that there's something going on is part of what I think drives many couples to try to stay and work through things even in abusive situations. And um, so I know you mentioned that there's some books that you recommend and um, I'm sure our listeners would benefit uh, if you wanted to list any titles. Um, but then as well, the that whole kind of next step of should I stay? Is the relationship worth saving? Is there anything that can be done to save it? Um, or should I just go? That's kind of, I think, obviously the next question of where people go. Yeah. I mean, yes, the, the resources, there's definitely a great book um, called Why Does He Do That? I can't remember the name of the author, but I'll, I'll make sure that I get it to you so that you can include it in the, the notes for um, the podcast. But um, yeah, really helps open your eyes. And unfortunately, it also helps you to understand that abusers rarely change. Um, you know, it's not saying that it's impossible that they'll change, but, you know, what an abuser does best is promise over and over and over again, I'll change, I'll change, I'm not going to do that again. And it may well be that they go months without doing that thing again. And you can have this renewed hope and faith in your marriage that, oh, wow, he really learned after that last time, or he really learned after my parents, you know, jumped in and spoke to him. And you convince yourself that things are getting better. But you know, that cycle's always there in the background and understanding that that cycle's there. And despite all of the promises of change, things are not changing. So when you can see that in black and white and you can see your relationship for what it truly is, then there's no denying that I need to leave this person because they're, they're not changing. And, you know, my ex even went on a perpetrator program, which was a six month program designed to help perpetrators of domestic abuse really you know see what they were doing and how their behavior was affecting their partners and the children and he did it whilst we were separated which is advised 
you know that's what's advised to do it while they're not living with you know the person that they're abusing um and i got you know some good feedback from the people that were leading the course at the time because they would feedback to me each week and even my ex showed signs that he was like wow yeah i didn't realize i was having this effect on the newborn baby and you know it looked like he was taking it all in but you know i mentioned before we had like an 18 month or i had an 18 month period where i couldn't bring myself to make that decision should i stay and give it another shot or should i go but in you know allowing him to spend time around us you know more so because i had two young children and he couldn't see them if i didn't let him come to the family home and visit them like we didn't have a, a relationship but my what i said to him is come spend time with the family and then when i feel comfortable enough we'll inshallah we'll get back together that was my intention because i didn't want to break the family unit up and i could see these positive signs that perhaps finally he's getting it now but subhanallah spending that time around him when he was comfortable and relaxed and you know just free to be himself there were just little moments here and there where he'd say something um, and it was usually if we were talking to somebody that we didn't know very well like so if we were at an appointment or you know we were just driving around in the car he'd say something um, and because i'd been reading up on domestic abuse and i even read a really great checklist that lets you know has you you know how to know if your abuser has changed and i'll share that too because reading through that meant that when he said certain things or acted a certain way i was like that's a sign that he hasn't changed he doesn't really get it and abusers need to really get you know that nothing else is to blame for their behavior and if they're not seeing that it's the biggest alarm bell to just get out of that and i saw stuff like that and i knew then and there that the relationship itself was dead. I couldn't risk going back into an abusive relationship. But then, like you say, the whole decision about staying or going is plagued with then lots of other worries. It's like, okay, now I know that the relationship is dead and I can't stay married to this guy anymore. Oh my gosh, now I have to break up the family. And there's so much fear around that. It's, you know, uh, am I going to damage my kids? Are they going to grow up and resent me for making this decision? Am I going to regret my decision? Um, what happens if a few years down the line, I want to get me remarried again? Who's going to marry somebody with two kids? Like all of this stuff pops up all of a sudden, um, you know, and how will I know for sure I'm making the right decision? Um, so yeah, that, that can keep you stuck in limbo for a long time because we're never going to know the unknown. You know, we can't base our decisions on stuff that hasn't happened in the future that may not ever happen anyway. We've just got to look at what the situation is right now. Like right now, the relationship is dead. So even though I've got no idea how things are going to work out in the future, that can't form part of that, you know, that can't form part of my decision. My decision has to be based on just the black and white of what is my relationship like today and you know because of the abuse and everything and I could see that he didn't really get it and that was scary to me because the reason I left in the first place on that day was because I couldn't ever trust that he wouldn't really hurt me the next time and that you know maybe I wouldn't be around for my kids or something or life effort. so yeah I think from speaking to a lot of women 
who are in similar situations, one of the biggest problems they face is dealing with all of the fears about what's to come once they make that decision. They've basically created a made up story in their minds of how they believe their life is going to be if they leave and they're scared of that story. So they stay stuck in limbo. And, you know, my job is to help them see that that story they've created is just that. It's a made up story. Like we have no idea what's going to happen later on today, you know, in five minutes time, let alone years into the future. But we create these stories and we convince ourselves that these stories are true and that that is actually what's going to happen. But that's, you know, it's just made up. It's all made up. And we start living in that world rather than in, you know, reality. Um, and it's really comforting to know that, you know, we can create all the made up stories we want. We can plan as much as we want for what we think's coming. But a liar is the best of planners. You know, it's our job to just assess the situation for what it is. Take whatever step makes sense to us at the moment um, and trust in Allah that things will work out. Alhamdulillah, that is so true. You know, I'm thinking just back into when I was doing a little bit of studies on fiqh earlier this year. And the, the whole purpose of the Sharia in Islam is to do, it's, it's kind of like the medical principles of do no, do no harm. It's do doing less harm. All of the rules and regulations in our religion are built around trying to cause the least amount of harm for people. When we're talking about abusive situations, we're talking about a situation that's bringing about harm. And this is the reason why in our religion, divorce is a permissible thing. And I know there's a lot of stereotypes in Islam, uh, cultural stuff that we, we were talking about that can really get in the way sometimes. But when we're able to free ourselves from some of those, honestly, predatory mindsets, I would say, um, boy, it really can give us some hope and open us, us up to, well, not just the reality of new perspective paradigm, uh, the, the internal inside out paradigm, but additionally that mental trap like we were just talking about of what's gonna happen next. Yeah. Well, so what? You're, you're freeing yourself from a situation right now. I mean, that's kind of one of the whole goals of coaching that we talk about often is being present in the moment, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the definition of that situation. When, you, when you're focused, when your whole cognitive activity is on something other than the present, you're not present in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you dig a little deeper and understand why we feel it's so necessary to think about the future, figure it out and figure out how we would deal with all of these made up situations that we've created. The reason, the, like the real reason we're doing that is so that we'll feel okay. You know, if this happens in the future, then this is how I'll deal with it. Okay, right, I feel better. Okay, yeah, I don't mind taking that decision now. But if we can't figure out that made up scenario, then suddenly there's a lot of anxiety there. I don't know how I would deal with that. 
I wouldn't be able to deal with it. Like that would just be too much for me. I, if that happens, I'm going to feel this, you know, and it's all coming from again, that innocent, you know, but incorrect belief about how we really work. You know, when you truly see that no matter what's happening, you're only ever going to feel your thinking in the moment. There's you're you're free, you know, like you said, so what, what, you know, you, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Like phrase that a different way. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Like it's fine. Like whatever happens, I'm only ever going to feel my thinking in the moment. And, you know, it's not dismissing that there will be challenging times, you know, there will be, but the blessing in that is that you're only feel your own thinking during that. And the, the nature of thought is that it changes moment to moment to moment. So it's not this permanence that you fear, you know, when you don't have this understanding, because if you, if you truly believe that a certain situation happening in the future is going to cause your feelings, then that feels really permanent and you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel with that because unless the situation changes, that's the only way you wouldn't then feel that horrible feeling that you're dreading. But when you know it comes from thought in the moment, it's so much more freeing because thought changes moment to moment, uh, you know, and when you know it's coming, when you know it's an inside job and it's only coming from the way you're thinking in the moment, you don't mind experiencing those you know, I guess people call them negative feelings, but you know, those types of feelings, you don't mind feeling sad. You don't mind feeling upset. You don't mind feeling, you know, uh, you know, anything because you know, it will pass, but there's, there's no sense of that freedom when you truly believe that a certain situation in the made up future is going to cause you to feel a certain way. So yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of that going on when we're stuck fearing stuff that will happen in the future, because what we're fearing, uh, it's a fear of feelings. It's not that the thing will happen because, you know, Allah blesses us with wisdom and insight in the moment. We can deal with, you know, any challenge that comes our way. What we're really fearing is the feelings that are going to come along with that and that's what the inside out paradigm frees us because it it shows us that hey whatever happens you're going to feel your thinking you know that thing has no power to cause you to feel anything so this kind of also answers a little bit of the question of what do we do in terms of moving on moving forward moving past the uh, the trials and tribulations of the broken relationships, uh, divorce, separations. Because um, I mean, when, when we're thinking inversely about the past as opposed to thinking about the future, it's actually the exact same scenario, just the other way around. Um, and in, in that moving forward stage, I mean, there's, there's some issues there. I mean, if you were talking about um, single parenting, we've got maybe some child visitation issues that are going to happen. Um, and there's, there's going to be constant reminders that are going to come back, like triggers and stuff. How would, how would you advise handling things like that? It comes back to what, you were just saying before about, you know, 
understanding more about the, the present moment and that everything is happening in this present moment. So, you know, before I, before I had this understanding about the inside out paradigm, I mentioned briefly before that there would be times where I'd have a really tough day, you know, I'd put the kids to bed, I'd come down and I would just sit on the sofa and start crying. You know, life is so hard. When am I going to catch a break? You know, I've already been through so much. When is life going to get easier? And I would wallow in that pain. And then I would then think about all of the stuff that my ex did to me and all of the mistreatment I'd suffered. I'm like, I didn't deserve that. And poor me, poor me. And I would stay in that victim mode. And that would come up a lot because hey, you know, with two kids, you're going to have a lot of tough days, you know, there's going to be a lot of challenges coming your way and you're responsible for a lot and it can be quite exhausting. So with that unhelpful mindset I had, it meant that anytime I had a challenging day, it was very, very easy for me to sit there and think about all of the other hard stuff I'd been through in my life and wallow on that. But then the more I read about the nature of thought and the more I read about the present moment and how we use thought in this moment to experience life like we experience everything through thought in the moment it i suddenly became aware of the role that my thinking was playing in everything and very aware of the fact that there is only this present moment like the past doesn't exist you know what past there is the past was another present moment you know, the future doesn't exist. It's just another present moment. You know, there is only this moment, you know, people will be like, well, then what are memories and what are, you know, the past, the memories of the past come up and then it really affects me and I relive everything again. But what's really going on in that moment is that you're using thought in the present moment to think about something that happened in the past. And then depending on the way that you think about whatever happened in the past because you're because you feel what you think you're going to feel all of that so if i choose to reflect on something that happened to me in the past and i'm thinking about it in a really you know upset way oh, i can't believe that i had to go through that i can't believe he treated me like that poor me poor me i'm going to feel all of that thinking i'm going to start feeling really sorry for myself really frustrated really resentful and it can the the illusion that happens in that moment is that I believe that what happened to me in the past is what's causing me to feel that way now. And in that illusion, suddenly I've given all the power to the past. That thing that happened in the past makes me feel this way. And then we're stuck. We can't go back and fix what happened. We have no power to do that. So innocently, we're keeping ourselves stuck and we've kind of convinced ourselves that because this thing happened in the past, and because whenever I think about it, maybe most of the time I think about it in this upset, resentful way, and I feel all of that, it really looks as though that situation has this power over me. And every time I think about it, I feel this way. We don't see that it's actually fresh thought in this present moment that we're having that is causing us to feel that. And the difference that that makes is that when you realize this thought in the moment, and it's the way I'm thinking about it in this moment, when it pops up again, you know, when you catch your thinking going down that path again, you're like, oh no, I don't need to go down that path today. You know, you're, you become aware of it and you're so much better able to drop it and ignore it because you know what's going on. You're like, ah, oh, 
it's my own thinking right now that's taking me down that path. And guess what? I don't need to go down that path. Like the power is back with you. It's no longer with that incident that happened. And then when it comes up, it's like, oh, that incident. Oh, you know, you, you feel like it's, it's got so much power over me. And look, I, look at how I feel now. It, that's no longer what's going on. Um, and that realization is super powerful. And you are able to drop so much of the unhelpful thinking that you have about the past. And you don't need like the whole moving on from the past. I find that a strange way of wording it because there's nothing like there, you know, to say to move on from the past, it's as though there's something there that you actually need to move on from rather than it just being something that happened at a previous moment in time. And now we're experiencing another moment in time that there's nothing to move on from. It's just understanding that it happened in a previous moment. And the only time that I'm going to feel upset about it or angry about it or distraught about it is if I choose in this moment and in time to think about it in that way. Like there is nothing to move on from. It is all comes back to just being super aware of the role your thinking plays in everything. Subhanallah, that is an insight that I hadn't noticed before. But you're, you're totally right. The statement is nonsensical. I mean, the past doesn't exist anymore. It's the past by definition. So to move from something that doesn't exist, that, that's... It's giving it... It's impossible. That it doesn't have, because then it's... it's yeah. That there is something that you need to move on from. Yeah. How are you going to do it? And it's like, well, no, there isn't. It's the only thing we, you know, we can do to really help us in all areas of life is just really become aware of the role thought is playing in our lives. It's not something that we're taught at school. It's not something that, you know, obviously there's so much out there in terms of self-development, but it's very much about changing your thoughts and managing your thoughts and not actually understanding the role of thought itself. You know, when you understand the role of thought itself, you don't need to change anything. You don't, you become way more accepting of all the types of different emotions, the whole range. It doesn't, like, I don't mind if I feel sad, you know, I don't mind if I get frustrated, you know, if I get angry, okay, yeah, it's not the most pleasant emotion to experience, but I know it's coming from the way I'm thinking in the moment. And, you know, when you know that there's, you experience things much differently, um, is there's a lot more freedom there and a lot less burden and suffering it's beautiful um so in terms of working with children in divorce situations or separations you know there's this question of okay we can come to grips with this now we can accept the paradigm of reality um, and find healing and transformation and grow with the insights that, that, that come along the way. But how do we address things with kids? I mean, sometimes they're going to be so young, uh, first couple of years, they may not even remember it when they're older. 
Um, others, maybe they're going to be 8, 9, 12, 15. Um, and maybe they've experienced some of the abuse themselves. Um, how can we help them in situations? I think the most beneficial thing that, you know, we can do once we see, once we're able to see situations really clearly, you know, when we're able to see situations without our feelings riding on them, then it becomes a lot easier to, you know, help other people, you know, see the situation for what it is. And, you know, for example, with my son, my eldest, he's eight now. And similar to what I was saying to you before, where you see the issue and there's definitely an issue there. And we're not dismissing that there's an issue. Like if my son gets upset about something, I'm not going to minimize his feelings. Like you're totally okay to feel all of that. I know it's coming from his thought in the moment, but what I'll do is I focus, you know, my energy on helping him see the issue for what it really is, you know, and just understanding that and not, I guess, what would have been my go-to before, which would be trying to make him feel better and say anything I can to get him to stop crying and to get him to feel better. And so maybe that would be helpful temporarily, but maybe not as helpful long-term. So now it's very much focused on the truth of the situation. Okay. Well, you know, this happened. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. It's not okay. But unfortunately, you know, whatever the situation is, it's, yeah, very much like speaking to an adult and just letting them know that this is what the world is like. And this is what people are like. And that doesn't mean that it's okay. And, you know, we don't have to be okay with that kind of treatment. And that's not how we want to live our lives. That's not how Allah wants us to be. But unfortunately, some people, you know, they, they don't follow what, you know, they don't follow how Allah wants us to be. And it's very much focusing on just truth and, you know, what's, how things work, how they don't work. And I know that he'll be okay. I know that as soon as his thinking changes, he'll feel okay. And you've probably seen it yourself in kids, like they can be having a full on meltdown. And then, you know, especially the younger kids, and then literally with one, in one second, they're bouncing around super happy. And it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, you literally went from having a crazy tantrum and now you're super happy. And it's in those moments that you see the nature of thought change so quickly. Like obviously with older children, you know, uh, maybe they're not going to have such a, a crazy change, but the, the blessing is that in knowing I don't need to, it's not my responsibility to make them feel better. I don't have that power anyway. All I can do is help them see the truth of the situation, help them understand that, you know, help, help them become aware of any limited thinking that they might be having about it, any unhelpful thinking that may, they might be having, pointing out what's true about the way they're thinking and what's not true just helping them to just see the situation as clearly as possible. Um, and then that way they're thinking, you know, any unhelpful thinking that they've had about it will inshallah fall away. Inshallah. And Tizam, I don't know if you've noticed this at all in 
working with kids. Um, I don't know if you, you do any work with kids other than with your own, but um, one thing that I've at least kind of caught on to is the fact that, you know, these, these kids, they're, they're still in their fitra often. I mean, at, at, up to a certain age, at least. So it's almost actually easier for them to understand and accept the inside out paradigm truths of reality because they're already so innately connected to it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, as a, I don't actually work with other children, just, you know, just my own, but when you're in a good place, you know, when you can see things as clearly as possible, when you're clear on how things work and how they don't psychologically, when you've, you know, when you're just in a good emotional state, it becomes very easy to help other people, you know, because you're seeing things super clearly. If I didn't have this understanding and my child was super upset about something and like super mixed up and, you know, finding something really challenging, there will probably be a big part of me that wants him to, you know, get over it and get better so that I can feel better. You know, that's what's driving the kind of, oh, you know, I need to help him so that he can be better and then I can be better. And that's, that's not how it works either. You know, I'm going to feel whatever I think in the moment. That's where my feelings come from, not from him being better. Like I still want my son to be better, but it's coming from a, def a very different place. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, what's the word? there's nothing riding on it. Like I don't need him to be better so that I can feel better. I just want him to see the situation as clearly as possible for his own well-being. Alhamdulillah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something that all of us can take away regardless of whether we're a single parent or not, uh, is that if we're trying to change someone we're kind of falling back into that illusion. Yeah. We're trying to get something out of them. It, it, it's, it's going back into the nafs, going back into the self, going back into that whole illusion of how we could get some maybe temporary result and feel better in the moment from something external. Yeah. Yeah. It's no longer really about the other person i mean it kind of is but really it's about you too you know and uh, that's not that's not the best place to come from when you're trying to help other people or when you're trying to resolve anything if it's all so that you can feel better so that you can have things your way because you believe that once you do you'll feel okay then yeah it's going to be a pretty tough journey yeah, I find this particularly helpful in like, I think the earlier stages when you're, you're talking back at just analyzing the relationship from the first part, maybe there's not abuse, but you're uh, maybe nitpicky about certain things, um, maybe character or temperament issues that aren't matching up is what you expected. Maybe it's a new couple that are still trying to get used to each other and they're getting into arguments all the time being able to recognize that, well, you know, the, this other person or the situation isn't the cause of my feelings and stopping the 
thinking and then also then the action of trying to change that other person or situation. Yeah. I can go so far in mending a relationship. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because a lot of the times, you know, and may have mentioned it before, we're we're sat there discussing things with our partner, trying to resolve things, but really what we're mostly trying to resolve is how we feel. And that's not how it works. You can't resolve that. Nothing that anyone can say or do can make you feel anything beyond like, you know, in that moment you may have, you know, someone may say something to you or do something to show that they're sorry for their behavior. And in that moment you may have, you know, a different way of thinking and you may feel temporarily better because you've had a change in thinking, but it had nothing to do with what they did or what they said. Likewise, when things are not, you know, not great and there are issues that you need to figure out at home, having that added layer of that, you know, that illusion that you need them to do something so that you can feel better or he needs to stop doing this. So, and then I'll feel better. It's, like that can that that result will never be achieved you know it's a it's a unrealistic expectation and a lot of people do this innocently because they you know they're living in this outside in illusion that something other than thought in the moment is what gives us our feelings so yeah i need my husband to do this and 100 percent he needs to stop doing that because then you know it seems it's very convincing that once those things are done or not done i'm going to feel better so those expectations can get really out of hand because we're very much living in that illusion and the inside out helps us to see through all of that and yeah like i said it doesn't diminish that some things there are sometimes there are things that need to change sometimes you know out of respect for each other you do need to put certain things in place sometimes all that really needs to happen is for you to see through your own expectations and realize that they are unrealistic, realize that they're not ever going to make you feel content and happy, even though you've convinced yourself that that's the case and that you're always going to feel thought in the moment. So when you know that that's where your feelings are really coming from, suddenly so many expectations drop. You know, I hear from a lot of women, they say, oh, why doesn't my husband wake me up for fudger? If he really loved me, he'd wake me up. And, you know, I say to them, can you wake yourself up for Fajr? Like that your husband waking you up, like you've created this rule in your head that if my husband wakes me up for Fajr, that means he loves me. If he doesn't, that means he doesn't love me. But it's a totally made up rule. Like your husband could be showing you love in so many other ways, but you've, you've, you're not seeing them. You're super legacy focused on this one thing that you've made up in your mind and you believe that once it happens, then I'll feel happy. And that becomes the focus of a lot of disappointment, a lot of resentment when really it's, it's, it's not even an issue. You know, you could wake your own self up. If your husband is up and he wakes you up, great. You know, if alhamdulillah, but it's, it's not a, it's not an indication of how much he loves you or not, you know, like being able to just kind of open things up and really see that person and what they're doing that you may not have noticed, you know, to show you that they love you instead of getting super laser focused on this rule that we've created and we have attached our feelings to it. Like this has to happen for me to feel happy. 
and to you know feel happy with my husband there's a lot of that unconscious you know behavior going on a lot of these unrealistic expectations and they're all tied to this you know incorrect belief that we innocently live by that once that stuff happens once he does all of this then i'll feel better then i'll feel happy and then we'll have a a great marriage and it doesn't work that way Inshallah, that is absolutely excellent in terms of how we can move forward, I think, because this isn't just something that we can use in our day-to-day -day relationship. It's something we can go out and take with us in every moment of our life. Yeah. Right? That, that's the beauty of the, the inside-out paradigm, being able to live in the present is that we're able to now move forward with strength and confidence we, we can look at these situations and no longer be judging other people we can take better responsibility for our own actions yeah. um alhamdulillah. Yeah. and the more you the more you learn about this the more you listen to this truth the more you surround yourself with this truth, the more, the more and more you see it show up in so many areas of life. And as you see it show up and you have these insights, these new ways of thinking, these new ways of seeing things, you know, you evolve, like life just gets better. You know, you're just so much more aware of yourself and your relationships improve. So, yeah, the more you surround yourself with truth, the more it shows up in your life and makes it a lot more enjoyable. Alhamdulillah. So Tisa, I know you've been coaching for about three years now. Um, during that time, how have you grown as a person in terms of any insights that you've attained during the coaching process or through the coaching process? I think what's been wonderful is, you know, having this understanding myself and then coaching people that are new to this understanding. And, you know, they're, they're all facing different challenges and those challenges weigh really heavy on them. Um, and then the more that they understand this inside out paradigm, the more they understand themselves and start seeing the role that they're thinking is playing in everything so many of their challenges fall away and things that they didn't even expect to improve improve as i was saying with my own journey and it's really it's really wonderful to constantly be reminded of the blessing that allah has given us in the way that we already work you know like we make we can make life so much more difficult for ourselves and we do it innocently because you know through no fault of our own, we've just been conditioned to believe life works a certain way. Um, and this understanding just really helps us to see how we already work, how we already, you know, how Allah already created us. And there's so much mercy in that. So it's really wonderful in coaching sessions to have people see this truth for themselves and no longer emotionally suffer through so much just that constant reminder that Allah has made it easy for us. Allah has blessed us with the way that we already work and that 
hey, we don't need to do all of this stuff anymore or suffer through all of these unhelpful thoughts that we have anymore because it, you know, it doesn't work that way. We've, we're way more in tune with how we're already created and how we already work. And it's so wonderful to come back to that place and to see clients come back to that place over and over again. Yeah, it's a lovely reminder of Allah's mercy. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's absolutely amazing. And I hope you have continued success in your coaching. Um, I also want to grant you ease and success in that, inshallah. Um, and you too, inshallah. Where, where do you see the journey taking you in the, the future? I 100% want to continue uh, getting this understanding out to as many people as possible. Um, you know, it really is, it really is life-changing, you know, don't say those words lightly. Um, it transforms the way you think about yourself, about your life. Um, it really enriches your life in so many ways. So, you know, every day I, I go onto social media and I'll see people kind of express what they're finding challenging or, you know, complain about stuff that's weighing really heavily on them. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew that that's just thought in the moment, if only you were able to see that it doesn't have to be that difficult. So for me, you know, this is such a simple but powerful solution for so many people that I want to make it as easy as possible to, you know, get people interested in learning about this, you know, for their benefit and for all our benefits, inshallah. So yeah, I'm 100% going to continue. I'm going to, I'm in the process of creating um, coaching, like coaching programs, um, more specifically um, an online training program so that people that can't physically take part in, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one or group coaching can have somewhere where they can study themselves online and get a, you know, a really good sense of what the inside out paradigm is all about and how it can specifically really help them in their relationships. So that's something that I'm working on at the moment. It's not quite ready yet, but it will be soon. And um, if any of your listeners are interested, they can go to tsem.com forward slash free They'll get a short video training for free, but then more importantly, they'll be on my email list. So as soon as that program is available, they'll be the first to hear about it. Yeah, definitely check out TSM's website um, and definitely subscribe. You know, that was one of the things that we both had common with our teacher, Mamoon, was that we've been subscribing yeah. to his email for years or so. Yeah, I think <laughs> and... I 10 years before I actually... Wow, you know, lunch and signed up for something. Yeah, and you know the gems that come out from someone who's connected to this perspective. Yeah, uh, I mean, Mamoon knows his marketing skills for one, but just the little insights that he'll pop in there every now and then, um, even just paying attention to that sort of thing. Um, I know I have an email subscription. You've got yours, which is awesome too. Um, so yeah, connecting to that sort of stuff, if you're not able to jump into a further relationship than that, 
connecting on that small level is a brilliant thing that I have to encourage anyone to do. I mean, that's often something that we just like, ah, I don't want to subscribe to another list or stuff, but those are probably some of the most important decisions that you'll make um, in your life. Yeah. You're, you're listening to truth. You're reading truth. You're looking in the direction of how things really work when it comes to your psychology and your spirituality. And by spending time reading that or listening to that or surrounding yourself with more of that, you're way less likely to get caught up in the way it doesn't work, which makes life a lot more difficult than it needs to be. That's right. That's right. And speaking of uh, truths, um, you know, one of the things I like to ask all of our guests here on Silver Awakenings is if you have a favorite uh, ayat or maybe hadith um, that has stood out to you uh, along your journey. Um, I absolutely love the hadith of the man who went up to the prophet, peace be upon him, and asked him, uh, should I tie my camel and trust in Allah or should I leave it loose and trust in Allah? And the Prophet, peace be upon him, told him to tie his camel and then trust in Allah. And I love that a lot because, you know, I know what it's like to be stuck in a really difficult situation where you can't see a way out and you're really down on yourself and telling yourself, oh, well, bad stuff always happens to me. And this is just, I have no luck in life. And to almost wait for something magical to happen to change your situation for you and then when it doesn't happen you know you beat yourself up even more that you know you've you've got a really rubbish life um and what i love about this hadith is that it reminds us that we need to take action too and then trust in allah instead of just sitting there and hoping that things change and things improve we can do things for ourselves we can take that first step to change things for ourselves. For me, it was against all logistical odds, getting me and my two children to London, taking part in this event, signing up to a year long coaching program when I was broke, you know, I was broke as a joke, but um, where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, I spoke to Mamoon and we, we figured out a payment plan and I knew that this was, this was good for me. And Alhamdulillah, it was, I, I took that step myself and then I trusted in Allah and Allah guided me and showed me the way to go. And Alhamdulillah, it all worked out well. But had I stayed at home and just hoped and prayed that things would get better? Yeah, maybe they would. But what's amazing about getting up and taking that step yourself is that you live differently. You realize that you can change things yourself you can improve things yourself you know and it goes hand in hand with trusting in Allah you know where we do have that power to change our lives and it all starts with you know one small step <laughs> don't want to sound like Neil Armstrong but yeah it does it just starts with realizing that yeah we need to do something we need to take action ourselves and then trust in Allah afterwards Alhamdulillah you know, that, that's a beautiful hadith. Um, my, my local imam here, it's been one of his go-tos during the uh, coronavirus pandemic. 
here lately and that he's just been saying is, hey, look, this is what we got to do. We got to yes. tie the camel, trust in the law. Exactly. Take these actions that are going to be appropriate for the safety of our community. Um, and just make to all that also financial will guide us through it. And this is a, a truth, uh, a true jewel and a gem from our prophet that um, we indeed can apply to current situations uh, as well as issues like we discussed here today in terms of abuse, uh, divorce, uh, those per interpersonal relational issues yeah. that are very sensitive uh, and often challenging. Yeah. And it's a beautiful reminder that we don't need to have everything figured out, you know, as long as we take the action that makes sense to us in this moment that we know will be, you know, good for us, inshallah, you know, because it makes sense to us to take that step. Like you said, the precautions with the coronavirus, like, you know, we know what steps there are to take ourselves, but we don't need to figure everything else out. We don't need to know what's going to happen in the future and how we're going to deal with it and what we're going to do if this happens or what we'll do if that happens. We don't need to figure any of that out. That's where the trust part comes and trusting not only in Allah's power to, you know, help us through these situations, but also in the insight and wisdom that Allah blesses us with to deal with whatever is going to come our way and trusting that in any given moment, you'll know how to deal with things in the future. So I don't have to figure it all out now. I will figure it out when it happens. Alhamdulillah. Tisam, thank you for joining us here today on Silver Awakenings. Yes, of course. Um, please check out Tsum's coaching, her website, tsum.com, as well as uh, subscribing to her uh, email uh, newsletter. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with some of your listeners, inshallah. And thank you again for having me. It's been a great conversation, inshallah. <laughs> You've been listening to Sober Awakenings. Special thanks to Tisam Aparashid for her insights into these integral aspects of recovery. You know, in the words of Malcolm, once you change your philosophy, you change your thought pattern. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern, and then you go on into some action. I love this part in the interview I had with Thesum where we reflected on the fact that it is impossible to fix something in the past because the past simply no longer exists. The present moment is all that each of us has, and awakening to the potential presence holds is what coaching is all about. 
I hope that this episode has helped shift your perspective on abuse. If you are struggling and need help, Tisum and I, as well as many other qualified professionals, are here for you. And know that Allah does not burden us with more than we can bear. Alhamdulillah. You can connect with Tisum at her website, tisum.com, or by email at tisum at tisum.com. She also has a presence on Facebook and Instagram, so you can follow her there. The book, Why Does He Do That? by Lundy Pancroft, that she mentioned in this interview, as well as a helpful checklist to know if an abuser is changing can be found in the show notes for this episode. We are still working to make new episodes of Soper Awakenings available for you each month. Special thanks to Zoom for facilitating again as the virtual recording studio. This episode was recorded on Zoom. Music was by Sound the Encounter. And our guest today was Tisum of Rashid. Sober Awakenings is a production of the Sukina Method of Recovery, and I am your coach, Tim Brennicki. May the peace and blessings of God be with you all. <laughs>